Welcome to the show. I'm Brad Johnson, and this is the Do Business, Do Life podcast. I believe in the and approach to life and business instead of the either or. This show is my attempt to help financial advisors create unlimited growth and freedom in their life and their business through wide-ranging conversations with some of the most brilliant and interesting people on the planet. We refer to this mission as DBDL, doing business and doing life. What up, DBDL listeners? This is Kristen Shea, and today Brad's going to be talking with Triad members Jeremy Ryland, Nick Ryland, and Tim Koontz at Vantage Point Financial all about how they are experiencing truly exponential growth. Okay, Their firm went from $35 million of new assets in 2020 to $58 million of new assets in 2022. It's a pretty big leap. Okay, And then this year, this is 2023. Okay. They're on track to bring in an additional 80 to 100 million. So, in this episode, the guys are going to share their story, reveal what they're doing differently to achieve rapid growth, and truly serve their clients at the highest level possible. Before we get to the show, we've got something special lined up for DBDL listeners. We're going to open up three 30 minute one on one coaching calls with Brad to grab one of those three slots. You're going to text the word coaching to the DBDL Insider phone number. That's 785-800-3235. The number is also in the show notes. And then we're going to send you a link to apply for one of those three slots. If you want to achieve the type of growth that Vantage Point is experiencing, but you're just not sure of the roadmap of how to get there, this call is going to be your opportunity to tap into Brad's wisdom. Please note, text message and data rates may apply. You can opt out of receiving texts at any time by replying stop to any message that you receive. Show notes that include links to all the resources, books mentioned, and people discussed are going to be available at bradleyjohnson.com forward slash 24, which is also going to have the link to apply for that coaching conversation. As always, thanks for listening. The Vantage Point guys are the absolute best. So without further delay, today's conversation with Vantage Point Financial. Welcome to another episode of Do Business, Do Life. Really excited to have my friends from Vantage Point on here today. We have Jeremy, we have Nick, we have Tim. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks. Happy to be here. Yeah, happy to be here. Well, I believe every story has an origin story. And I think where we have to kick this off, guys, is a little place called the Shanty Rose. It's only fitting. It's yep. and, and I do believe this is still rated as your number one establishment that you all have ever visited. Is that fair? Absolutely. Right up there. Right up I there. I can't argue with that at all. <laughs> so, so, for, so for those those listeners that have no clue what the Shanty Rose is, who wants to just explain the establishment so they get a, a, a visual? Tim's <laughs> a good color guy. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, you're the color guy, Tim. Yeah, man. <clears throat> I'm the color guy, you said? Yeah. Uh, well, the Shanty Rose um, is a place where you can walk in and both feel like uh, welcomed and like you're about to get in a fight at the same time. <laughs> uh, the okay. drinks are stiff and lobster is in the air. And, uh, you know, you hear the best Boston accents you'll ever hear in your life. Yeah. The rest you have to look up on your own for whoever's listening. Yes. And the That's rest of lobster cave in. I feel like you nailed that, Tim. Did I? I feel like you nailed that. Yes. So fun story when I met the three guys on here. And by the way, welcome back. If you're listening in, this is another triad member spotlight. So I've been really looking forward to this conversation, guys. But we did a visit to, to a firm that we're all familiar with, the SHP guys out in Boston. And so had a, had a great day, sat down. It was really cool because it was easy to see the moment I sat down with the three of you, just growth mindset. You guys were sponges. You'd already been incredibly successful, but 
just the the hunger to learn more and, and learn different frameworks that could help you scale and serve more more people at a higher level. And so anyway, we have this great meeting. And then we walk, I believe it was Keith that we did any of the other guys join us, or was it just Keith? I think it was just uh, Keith, wasn't it? Yeah. Just Ryan, Keith. Ryan was there. Oh yeah, Ryan was there. Too. Oh, Ryan on our team. Yeah, yeah Ryan yeah. on our yeah. team. And then Keith from the SHP guys. And so we walk like this is Plymouth Mass, very close to to Plymouth Rock for those that have been there. And so we walk what a couple blocks from their office, yeah. and uh, we find a little hole in the wall called the Shanty Rose, and our lives were forever changed. And that was where our friendship was cemented. And uh, it's just right. a fun memory because we're all. I think I, I get a text with the Shanty Rose mentioned at least once every two to three months with with one of y'all <laughs> on it. So it's it's a good time. But if you all circle back. And I feel like that was a bit of an inflection point when I saw your firm. You'd already, so you've got office, an office in Chicago. That's obviously Nick and Tim. There's an office in Jeremy, uh, in St. Louis, where Jeremy holds the fort down. And Jeremy and Nick are brothers. And so, but you'd been really successful, but I saw just kind of this like almost light bulb turn on for you guys in that day, day and a half together. If we go back and just what, what things could you share with the financial advisor audience out there that were breakthroughs or learnings just at that very beginning of that relationship? You know, I, I guess I'd say, you know, we were really growth minded and we were in that phase where we were trying to figure out how do we grow efficiently, you know, more than anything, because we weren't, in fact, we weren't looking to change. We were, we were there at SHP's office to hopefully get a couple tips, you know, maybe, you know, things we could take back to our office and implement to help us, either grow the business or be more efficient. So we weren't really looking for a big change, but we definitely were growth-minded and we had big goals. We just didn't know the path to get there. You know, we were talking about them and they were big. Then almost uh, surprisingly, you guys showed up and helped us with the path. So it's interesting when you set big goals and you talk about them, how you start to attract the, the people and the resources that you need. So we didn't really know what we didn't know until you guys helped us kind of lay it out. But we definitely had the right mindset, I think. And it was just a matter of learning, you know, and taking advice from people that were two or three steps ahead of us. Awesome. What I'd add to that, too, is I think it just opened up my mind to a, a greater possibility where I, we, we'd seen and networked with a lot of advisors and in offices that we're bringing in 50 to 100 million a year, doing great work. But when we met SHP, there was it, it was bigger, obviously, bringing in, you know, over 250 million a year. and we, we thought, okay, this isn't as big of a, a hurdle as, as we might think. Like, this truly is possible. Like, 50 used to seem crazy. 100 million was crazy. And now we're meeting these guys, and they're showing us the path saying, yeah, you guys can absolutely do this. It's not like some magic, you know, magic fairy dust you need. It's you need a path structure and, and some good guidance, and you guys will get there in no time. And so that was extremely motivating, encouraging. And, and they saw that in us, and you saw that in us really quickly, which it drove our confidence through the roof. Yeah, we set out, uh, Nick and I, at the beginning of that year. So every year so far as Vantage Point, we've had this ocean we go through with our EOS uh, implementer where we set a theme for the year. And at the beginning of that year, our theme was Think Bigger. And a lot of times Nick and I have talked like about you know our origin story or, or how we got here. And there's not too much magic to it. It's just, it just kept you know, one thing after another kept arriving at our doorstep. And to Jeremy's point, you know, and shout out to Chris Smith, if you talk about it enough, things start to happen. 
And I bet you had we not had that theme and that mindset that year, I don't think that we would have been ready to receive some of the things you guys had to share with us. That's awesome to hear, guys. And just kind of the theme that I'm hearing from all three of you, it's the the quote that has been referenced more than once on this show. It's when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And just the intention, I think what's what's interesting, I hear a lot of humility because it wasn't like you guys were floundering. I mean, we just talked through your numbers before we started recording here. Perfect timing to form a business, Nick and Tim. So it was January 2020. Well done. Right before the world shuts down for a year. Which by by the way, Triad wasn't too far behind you. We were November 2020. So we were right in the mix of that as well. But so I'll run through this real quick just for context for the listeners. So 2020, your Chicago office brings in, you said between 20, 22 million of new assets that year. St. Louis office, which is Jeremy, which he will be clear to point out as a one-man office, right, Jeremy, not a two-person office. At that time, we, yes. Yes, okay. <laughs> so so there's, there's, a, there's some sibling rivalry that sometimes well, sneaks Don't get me started. It could, it, could, it could flare up here today. So $15 million, uh, St. Louis in 2020, so call it $35 million collectively. 2021, Chicago did $25 mil, St. Louis did seventeen. So now we're at $42 million collectively. 2022, Chicago did 30 mil, St. Louis did 20. So that's 50 mil. And then you all also brought on another firm that was linked to the Chicago office for another 8 mil. So that's 58 million. So we go 35 million, 42 million, 58 million. So you were already like, you guys were clipping through some pretty nice growth numbers. And I just love that you're like, in 2022, the theme was still Think Bigger. That was the 2022 theme. That was 21. Oh, 2021. Okay. And so uh, I just love the, the humility. Or no, it was, it was 22. 22. Yeah. Was it 22? Yeah. It was 22. Yeah, which was when we met, right? Yep. So yep. it's really cool. And I've seen a very common theme with top performers in our space. It's almost as if you've never arrived. You're a lifelong learner. We say check your ego at the door a lot here because some of the most successful firms I've seen, they, they just are humble students their entire career. And that was who I saw walk into the room out there in Plymouth, Mass at SHP's office that day. And it's cool because now let's talk 2023. How are things looking this year? I know you guys have expanded the team, kind of built out the framework. I know there's y'all are, are doing really well, but I know like, I feel like you're just getting started because a lot of the coaching, you're just starting to like start to see come to fruition. But what's 2023 looking like for y'all? Yeah, it's been um, in our St. Louis office. So when I met you guys in March of 22, we were out there in uh, Boston, um, I had myself and my assistant, Marie, she was a full-time assistant, and then we had just hired a part-time assistant. So there was, you know, two and a half of us. Um, Mm -hmm. Today, we've grown. We have uh, two new advisors starting next month. So we've got, including myself, 12 team members now. Wow. Uh, So we really, we're trying to grow efficiently. We're obviously growing quickly, but trying to do it really efficiently, put the right people in the right positions, you know, whether it's ops, sales, marketing, that type of thing. So probably quicker than I thought we would. Now, three of those are interns. One is year round, uh, two that are summer interns. In fact, we just had a new admin start Wednesday. So we're growing quickly, but I think we're really, at least for our office, and I think with that continuum is true, we're really building that infrastructure, you know, getting kind of the, the framework so that we can really start to multiply and really grow on an efficient basis. We don't want to grow so quickly that we can't service the clients. And I think a lot of advisors run into that ceiling 
they get maxed out and burnt out. And so I know for us, we're trying to be very, very diligent about who we're bringing on and when and what their role is. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I want to, we'll circle back on that in a second, but I want to give Nick and Tim a second. So 2023, what what are like the, you know, if we look at the kind of the big moving parts, the changes, whether it's production growth, whether it's team members and kind of growing on that front, what's it look like for you guys? Nick and I used to sit in on every client meeting together. So that's what we trained our clients to be used to is two professionals in every meeting. So this is the first year where both of us will truly be like separate kind of rainmakers, if you will. Um, and I think so far we have maybe 10 million of new assets placed and another 10 to 15 million pending potentially this wow. year. Wow. Um, and it's, I mean, it's shaping up to be again, one of our biggest years yet, but this is also the first year that we'll have a fully clean year of completely revamping what our kind of sales intro and onboarding processes with new clients. Uh, so I, I feel like we've really caught a stride from that perspective. And a lot of things too that have allowed us to get there is building up our team, just like Jeremy's doing. So when we, have, what Nick, we have a team of full-time six people and then part-time two additional. Yep. And we have like three, yeah, three open job requisitions and an intern. <laughs> so it's it's moving really fast. Yeah, to go from 2020, it was Tim and I and our assistant Diane, and now the firm has three offices, over 20 people, pacing for probably 80 to 100 million if we add up all the offices. And that's only truly so far like four really producing advisors. You know, we're training more and bringing more up, so hopefully that really exponentially grows quickly. And that's been one of our biggest keys to growth is like there are only so many hours in the day that the four main producers can meet people. We need to train the next set of lead advisors and, and have four in each office that are bringing in 10, 20, 30 million a year. And then obviously, like these guys are mentioning, got the infrastructure behind it. So yeah, it's exciting. I think this year is going to be a banner year for us compared to the last two or three. Well, I mean, the guys, I was just listening here. I mean, like I said, it wasn't like you were soft just before 35 to 42 to 58. But what, what you all just talked about is a double up here, almost, you know, 80 to 100. We'll see where it plays out. But to go from 50, 58 to 80 to 100, that's a massive jump. <laughs> so let's take a second and let's talk about that. If you were to say, here are the one, two, three reasons that we believe led to that. Was it simply the fleshing out the infrastructure so you all could focus more on revenue producing activities or were there other things that led to that? I think it's our competition. You know, it's that we have a billion dollar goal and neither office wants to lose to the other one. You do know the competition, right, Brad, that first office to a billion between us and St. Louis, the loser charters the private jet to the destination of the winner's choice. <laughs> Anywhere in the world? Anywhere in the world. So, Jeremy, I mean, with right. ex- guys, guys, that could get expensive quick. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not worried about that because we're winning. So, the good news for Nick and Tim, there's a private airport right below my house, about a mile away. So, it'll be a little cheaper for you guys. But 
Yeah, it, ma- it makes it so. Fun. So let's go ahead and memorialize this. This will be fun, guys, because we can look back on this interview a few years from now. So where where are we at? Where's the leaderboard at? Total total AUM on each side right now. So we're about one fifty total in St. Louis. Yeah. One ninety, you said, Tim. Mm-hmm. And is this like a golf match where one started out ahead? So there's a handicap or no? <laughs> no, I'll, don't I'll you dare mention that, Brad. <laughs> straight up, this is straight up, Brad. No handicap. Straight up. Okay. Okay. Cool. Cool. I'm going to make sure it. that my destination is is very exotic <laughs> to make up for the handicap. <laughs> Well, I was just, I mean, we were looking at, at Bora Bora flights for, for something okay. fun. We were looking at inside a triad and, and those not private commercial are very expensive. Yeah. So um, Bora Bora could be a fun one for you, Jeremy. Just throw that one out yeah. there. Very nice. Yeah. yeah Bora Bora sounds happy about that. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Nice. Whether, whether well, you're so- in agreement or not. Jared, Tim has been telling our team that they're invited too. So it's going to be a really big deal. Oh, so you can grow the AUM and the team and then just make it really expensive. Yeah, it's going to be great. I can't wait. Well, to answer your um, question, Brad, I feel like, I think your question was like, what, what would we attribute that big jump to, right? Like what, what's really gotten us there? I think it's a confluence of like several things in my opinion, but one that really stands out here in our office is like the messaging and the conviction and the authenticity of what we say, like, yeah, sure. You know, being successful is, is great. And having these milestones and looking back is great. But I think Nick and I, and Jeremy too, uh, really just got comfortable understanding that why are we doing this? We're doing this to impact people's lives. We're doing this to help families. We're doing this to help them reach some of their most important goals in life. And I think with a lot of your team's help and some of the messaging that some of the community members have helped us with, that authenticity, I think, has really shined through in everything that we do and the why behind what we do as well. So I think that's probably one of the banner things in our office that's made the difference. And I can tell, I, I don't know if you'd agree, Nick, but it's it's huge. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, without question, like, you know, that kind of leadership that you guys talk about a triad Chris Smith talks about, you know, and just absorbing that and really truly believing in what we do and like going into every meeting, Hey, I'm just here to serve you and help, which is, which is interesting. Going back early in my career, it was, you were always here. Don't, don't give out, don't give away the farm. Like if you give all the answers to them in that first meeting, why would they come back? Well, what we do is so much more complex than what we can tell them in an hour. And, and so we went from, all right, giving so many answers to the now not giving hardly any. And the pe- people are probably feeling like, wait a minute, they didn't answer anything. They just danced mm-hmm. around and said, you know, you got to become a client. To truly just be interested in in helping them and putting them on the right path and just being honest, like, hey, I'll tell you, this is the answer to that question, but it's, you know, what you really need is this to really impact your life and change your your track for retirement. So just coming with that mindset, and not at all trying to be salesy, which none of us are. We don't like that mm-hmm. salesman kind of hat. It's, hey, we're there to help people and we know we're really good at what we do. But how do you take it from that to, all right, what's our process to really move the business forward too? We're helping these people. We're meeting a lot of people. I mean, there's so many times that we were just struggling where we'd meet a ton of people and we're like, hey, we're closing you know, two out of 10 or four out of 10, which is pretty good. But look at the five or six that walked out the door that we know were great prospects. 
and really honing in on that language. And I remember first time we meet uh, Matt Keith Ellis, he's like, you just got to work in the language. He's like, it's just a few words here and there. And you guys, your closing ratio will go through the roof. And he was right. So yeah, I think there's just a lot of that. It's a conviction. It's a training. It's, it's surrounding ourselves with really smart people, you know, thinking bigger. That, that theme was, is pretty interesting. We're like, we want to think bigger, but, and then a month later we met SHP. That just sort of happened. A referral from our marketing agency said, Hey, meet these guys are just like you guys. I think you guys will hit it mm-hmm. off. And then met you guys through that too. I'm going to say you guys triad. And so it just sort of started to snowball and then getting in that community and meeting people that think bigger and, and we've continued that. I've been on, we've been on that search, you know, to continue to do that, whether it's through our EOS group and going to a conference there and meeting people in different industries that are massively successful. It's been a, just a game changer and opening up our minds to like thinking bigger, expanding our horizons, you know, personally, professionally, you name it. Yeah. One of the themes I've seen in the community, it's been really cool. Like it's, it's so humbling to just sometimes sit back on the community zoom calls and observe the magic happening. And one of the themes I've seen kind of that you both just hit on is going into that first visit with the prospect. You kind of shared, you know, act, I've got nowhere to get. I know that's a Chris Smith thing. Like, Hey, let's just be here and serve and let, let the conversation go where it goes, but also being stepping into that conversation as a leader versus a financial advisor. And it's just, the mindset is different. To your point, Nick, you're like, as a financial advisor, we're like trying to like kind of hoard information to make them kind of like need to come back to us. As a leader, you're stepping into that and saying, hey, here's what we're about. Here's what we're not about. If we can help you, we commit to serving you and, you know, challenging you more than you've ever been challenged, but supporting you more than you've ever been supported. And that's like the dynamic that I see happening, which is so powerful because they need confidence. You know, they need somebody that they can depend on as they navigate retirement and all the life changes. And it's just like the Amy Porterfield episode that just went live uh, this week that we're recording this. She talks about Tony Robbins saying how much of leadership is just mindset. It's just mindset and, and switching to a different mindset. So do you guys feel that as well? Like it was just kind of a mindset shift, like light bulb moment went on and here's how we need to start showing up differently or was there something else that made that happen? Yeah. I mean, I, I think so. I think the the leadership discussion, it's really twofold. It's, you know, we're being leaders for our clients, but we also have to be leaders for our team. And for me at first, that was kind of an intimidating like word. It was like you know, leadership that takes on a, a lot of ownership and a lot of responsibility when you're a leader, you know? Um, I mean, heck, I wasn't even the First one out of the womb. So I was a follower from day one. Sure. <laughs> uh, Nick will agree with that. Holding <laughs> so, back. Thinking so on my food too, by the way. Thanks a lot. That's why I'm four inches tall or shorter. But I, I think part of it was the mindset shift. It was, you know, really you had had to wrap my mind around like, yeah, what we do for clients, we really are leaders, man. We really are providing financial leadership. And then when you start to say that to prospects and clients, you really, you really start to see their reactions different. You know, and all I can tell them, hey, there's a difference between, you know, a typical advisor providing advice and leadership, kind of explain what that means. And they look at you differently. And it was definitely, it took, you know, with Chris Smith, we worked on the leadership language, but it takes some time internally to internalize it to say, you know, what I do is really, really powerful, not just for, you know, the clients, but my team as well. And so I had to take that shift of working on my myself as an individual to be a leader and still am. I think it's a lifelong process, but it's definitely different. You know, you, you look at it differently. 
and you start to realize your impact. I mean, what we do makes a huge difference in people's lives. And I think being in the industry for 20 years, sometimes we forget how impactful it is because it's just our job, you know, in a sense, but it's way more than a job or a career. I mean, it really helps people sleep at night, you know, all that stuff. So it, it's definitely was a, it was a mind shift and it seems like a little shift, but I think it's a really big one in the, the, the bigger picture. It's the most uncomfortable yeah. I've ever been in my life, Jeremy. I, I totally echo what you said, like just making that shift to, all right, how can I show up as a leader in all facets of my life? And especially in this business, it's, it was uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. And Tim, yeah. to your credit, Tim, you, I mean, because Tim is, as you know, Brad and Jared, Tim's extremely smart, well-read, researches everything to the nth degree. And I think, you know, years ago, you used to think that you had to tell everybody everything you knew you know, and to prove that you were smart because you were younger and, and you're great. And I, and I know you're authentic because I know you, but in client meetings, sometimes I think you wanted to show your knowledge rather than that connection. And once you kind of switch to that in the last, you know, six months, nine months, you're just killing it. I mean, Tim's been, he called it heater season and it's mostly because of him, like heater season. We got clients coming in like crazy. We can't, the staff can't keep up and that's a great problem to have. Never leave a heater. Yep, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Hey, that's that's wisdom right there for you listeners. Yeah, yep. right there. Um, the table. Nick, you know what? You bring up a really good point there, Nick. Because, and I know Enneagram has been a big thing inside of our triad community, and we've all kind of taken the test and geeked out on that. So we won't go too far down that. But I, I think it's really interesting as you look at the different personality types. Some of us are wired to be a bit more analytical. Like I'm very guilty of the guy that can hop down a Wikipedia rabbit hole and like look up three hours later and say like, what happened? Right. And you nailed it. The word is connection. I mean, you can, you can out spreadsheet people, you can out intellect people, but I think sometimes we forget as advisors, like to step out of financial advisor role. It's kind of the, the curse of knowledge and like put yourself on the other side of the table. Like you walk into a doctor's office, they start speaking a bunch of Latin and like straight over your head, like all this doctor speak, you're actually going to be like, well, yeah, he's smart, but I don't want to work with him because he makes me feel dumb. Whereas you go to like the doctor with great bedside manner. That's like, Hey, here's what it's called. But let me break it down to like what it really means. And like, just talks to you like a regular guy. You're just going to feel so much deeper connection. Be like, that's my guy right there. I mean, that's, that's how it works for all of us. But for some reason we forget that. When we put on financial advisor, you know, the suit, the jacket, whatever, and you walk into a meeting. So maybe I'll throw this one to you, Tim. How did you start to be aware of that and then call it break that habit a bit or or have a different type of conversation? Yeah, great question. I think also the way that we used to do work for new clients at the beginning was reminiscent of that feeling of needing to share information and intellect and what we have the ability to do because we used to basically do a comprehensive financial plan at the onset without having a commitment for an ongoing relationship from these clients. And I remember when your team challenged us to make that change, I was like, there's no way. There's no way someone's going to agree to work with us to be this involved with their financial lives without knowing exactly how we can help them and what we do. Well, I was wrong. <laughs> it's the exact opposite. It really is a mindset shift. I mean, I think it's that getting uncomfortable with like, why do I feel this way? Why is it that I'm showing up to this meeting and I feel the necessity to 
totally skirt making a connection and instead beeline it to, well, let's talk about a proper tax distribution rate out of all of your different tax treated accounts. Like it, it doesn't matter. It's I'm here to help you. I'm here to do whatever in the world I can do to make your life easier and add value to your situation. And it's a confidence to know that and we live and breathe this. We wake up every day and think about this. How can we do it better? How can we add more value to our clients' lives? We're, I truly do feel as if we're at the forefront of what we do as financial planners, and we do it better than most people. And that's a gift to give. It, like It's something that we can give to people all the time and impact their lives. And when it finally dawned on me that that's what we do, it took all the pressure off in even a first, the first two hours of a conversation that we have with new clients. It's, it's less about all these nuances of ways we can help them and more about like you would benefit, your life would be absolutely transformed if you had what we have to offer in your life. And that mindset shift just, it's like, I, f- I feel like I sit back in my chair more in client meetings and just like, you know, I want to get to know you. I want to, I want to understand what's important to you. So, and having people around you more specifically that hold you to that standard too. So as Nick and I talked about this and the way we challenge each other, he straight up came to me and he was like, Hey Tim, I challenge you for the rest of this year to let authenticity be the center of all of your communications with clients at workshops with clients. Like don't follow a script. Don't read bullet points. Don't memorize what you want to say. Just be authentic. And he helped me with that standard and we checked in on it. And same thing with the triad crew and the people that lift us up and support them. Like, I mean, truly we're standing on the shoulders of giants and without that ability, I don't think I would have been able to see, see through that noise. That's so cool. You know what, what you just triggered for me, Tim, as you were going through that, where you were like, kind of like, and you were a younger advisor too. And I think I remember being a young guy in this business and I was meeting with 55, 65 year olds and I was 26, 27. And there's like a little bit of a imposter syndrome, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like, wait, do I deserve to be here? You know, am I going to say something where they think I'm dumb or not qualified or whatever? And I almost feel like it's a bit of a defense mechanism, like, like a human defense mechanism of you hop into a meeting with the 55, 60, 65 year old, you know, immediately start spouting tax rules and stuff that, you know, you can kind of like own the conversation as opposed to your point, like getting uncomfortable, getting vulnerable and truly connecting as a human. That's tougher. That's tougher work to do. It's so hard. Yeah. Do you feel that? Like, do you think defense mechanism? And I don't, I don't mean like you went in there and you're like trying to like show them up or anything, but I think just like, if you observe human psychology, sometimes that probably plays out that way. Absolutely. I think you nailed it. A defense mechanism is a great way to explain it. It's like, it's like I'm, I'm putting up this metaphorical shield to, Hey, don't, don't look at the 80% that I feel the keyword is that I feel like I don't have figured out. Just focus Mm. on this 20% that I know I have figured out. Yes. Um, It's, I think you nailed it. Yeah. And, and by the way, I've seen advisors that are 60, 65, 70, it's almost like hiding behind the shield of knowledge that protects them. Yep. So that's, that's a really good call out. So I wrote down something else that I picked up there and I'm going to a, a Spider-Man quote with, with great power comes great responsibility. I think I got that right. But I look at like, you're stepping into this meeting now. And I heard one time 
it was a really successful couple, Brian and Shannon Miles, and they talked about, they worked with the family office because they'd done really well for themselves. And they basically said one of the things that family office told them is, we are working on a financial plan and a legacy for the grandchildren that you haven't even met yet. And if you look at it through that lens and the power of the work you can do in one, like 60 minutes, 90 minutes in your office with someone's life savings literally in your hands, and you can turn that into a plan that will outlive them and bless their grandchildren or great-grandchildren, that's insanely powerful. But you have to be looking through that lens, not the, oh, got to close a 500K case today. And so is there any other thoughts that you all have there? Because I'm picking up a lot of that from you all like, man, this is really powerful work we do. We're confident in the work we do. And with that, like, it's worth something and it's going to take the joint responsibility of the other side of the desk of saying, hey, we want that too. So what are your guys' thoughts around that? Yeah, I mean, I agree. We stole that line from them as well. We used that one. Oh, did do you use yeah. that? Nice. Oh, yeah. We use it all the time. It's awesome. Love it. Um, How's it hit? How's it hit in meetings? Do you see like a little like light bulb or aha go on? Yeah, I think so. I think there's a lot of things, you know, we say. It's funny, a lot of the meetings were using language like that. There's one in particular recently where the husband and wife both kept going, oh, 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 yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, oh. You know, so it's like very like, they're having this like, wow, this is not what I expected kind of meeting. And that's what yeah, we, yeah. we want it to yeah. be. What they probably see literally right across the street from our office is Merrill Lynch, Morgan Stanley. Uh, there's another one in the building over there. I forget who it is that they're sitting down. Each of them have their magic black box that they're going to beat the market. Right. And they're going to get a different yep. pitch as they go to each office until they come over to us. And we don't talk about our investment philosophy at all in that first meeting. So I think it is. It's, it's for us. It's that mindset like we talked about before. Like, what are we trying to accomplish in this meeting? you know, and how are we different and what is the end result for the client? You know, so it's great to talk high level about all the things we do, but okay, what does that mean to you? What does that mean to you, Mr. and Mrs. Jones? Like if you work with us, ultimately, you know, we're going to empower you to live beyond what you thought in retirement, you know, beyond what you thought was possible in retirement. And that's kind of our brand manifesto. And so they start thinking like that. And, and what that does for you is we're going to take care of all these things in your, you know, our trademark elevated retirement plan. We're going to take care of the taxes, the investments, the state planning, make sure everything's coordinated, the insurance, and so that you can live your life. Like you, you worked for the last 40 years to save up. Now tell us about the things you want to do. Wouldn't it be great if you're on that beach in Mexico for three weeks? Like you, you, you plan and you don't have to worry about what the market's doing, what your portfolio is doing, or your, should you, you be tax loss harvesting right now? Like, no, you just go and live. And we're here to take care of that. And to give them that clarity and confidence to know that, yeah, I don't have to worry about it. And it's funny, I, this came up the other day and I forget it was in a client meeting or where, but that's fine if, if somebody doesn't want to hire us because they'll have just an okay retirement. And Tim had this, this one recently where they just could not get over paying the fee to hire our team. And they said, you know what? Yeah, we might not live a great retirement. We'll be okay. You just want, want an okay retirement, managing everything on your own, which is fine. You know, and, and that probably works out well because you'll die sooner. When you have all that stress of worrying about the investments, the taxes, the legacy planning, the insurance, the Medicare, the Social Security, you're probably going to die earlier because you're stressing out about all these things. So it'll be okay. You won't run out of money. But with us, you'll probably live longer and enjoy it more. And that's it's kind of funny, but it's if you stop and think about stress yeah. your life. And if you have a team that's taking care of all the things that stress you out, you're going to do a lot better. We're financial doctors. That's right. 
Just Uh-oh. I, I feel I feel the compliance and suitability breathing down my neck right now. <laughs> That's okay. Nick's the chief compliance officer. Hey, we, we are we are allowed to joke on these things, right? So to me, there's a couple thing ideas there. It's it's more of a what's possible meeting. I know that's some language I've heard quite a bit is there's one thing to crunch numbers on a spreadsheet and say, here's my income plan and it, you know, here's social security, and then we can get another 15, 20K on top of that. It's another thing to say, hey, do you want to just dream about what's possible and start with the end in mind and say, hey, back to the beach. So how many weeks would you be spending on a beach each year? Would it just be one trip? Could it be more trips? Like, what do you actually want? And then let's back into what it takes to get you there. And I feel like that's such a different conversation. You mentioned tax loss harvesting. Pat Quinn, who I know you all have have had the pleasure of, of doing some training with, he does this exercise where he says, call up your brother and just go to go to this little, you know, role play. And you're talking to your brother about something that's on your mind and use the language that you would use when you talk with your brother. And it wouldn't be like, hey, I'm I'm really staying up tonight. And I was just, man, I couldn't get to bed. It was like, I just couldn't get this tax loss harvesting thing out of my head. It just, you know, I couldn't get to sleep. And, but that's what how financial advisors speak all the time, right? As opposed to, hey, I'm trying to figure out, are we going to be able to spend the two weeks on the beach with the grandkids? And that's really important to me. And I'm, I'm wondering, do we have enough? And like, it's really like kind of keeping me up at night because that's really important to me. That's the sort of conversation you would have with a brother or sister, you know? And I just think sometimes we like, don't think like humans, like, like back to the curse of knowledge. It's like, that's not how people talk. So why do we talk that way so often in, in this business? So I, I just had a quick story on kind of the asking them like, you know, what's possible. And what, one of the questions we ask them is if money was no object, what's one thing you'd love to have or do in your retirement? And we asked that question. It was probably March, maybe to as a referral. And the guy immediately said a plane. So he's a, his, uh, he's a pilot, uh, more of a like recreational pilot, but um, he's like, I don't know if we can ever afford it or not. So of course we take note of that. Well, about a month later, we're meeting with um, existing clients that have been, gosh, they've probably been with us eight, nine years. Um, they have a plane. He's like, by the way, we're selling our plane. And so I was like, well, I happen to know someone that wants to buy one. And I was able to connect two clients together with this guy to, to buy a plane that he never thought was even possible. Um, so it's not a, it's not a Lear jet or anything, but it'll be perfect for him. So it's kind of cool. How, you know, how cool you know, is that? Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Well, but that all stems from asking a different question, right? That's how you uncover that versus, Hey, how much income do you need on a monthly basis? You know, that's, a, yeah. it's like, it's basically solving with like, if I look at so much of the work financial advisors do, obviously you've got to, if it's a math equation, you've got to get all the variables, right. That you get the right answer on the other side of the equal sign. But essentially what you all are doing is you're starting on the other side of the equal sign and saying, what do you want the answer to be? Okay, now let's go retrofit the variables to get you there in the most efficient way. It's just such a different conversation yeah. where that's where the, the good stuff comes out of that conversation, not the let's figure out the variables on the front end and not know where we're going. Yeah, it's like the <laughs> way we talk about our planning is, you know, all our competitors, you know, Morgan Stanley, Steeple, Edward Jones, they're talking about their shiny object of this portfolio that's going to make 8% a year. You know, we don't talk about like rate of return or anything. We talk about what do you need your money to do? You know, what does it mean to you? You know, we actually work it backwards. We actually start with your goals and what your your need is and what you want to accomplish. And then we plug in the investments to accomplish it. It's a lot different than, hey, look at all these great portfolios. You know, they don't really mean anything if it doesn't accomplish your goals. And how much more fun is that as an advisor? I mean, it's way more fun. Yeah. 
I'd rather be a plane broker and you know, from client to client. <laughs> but it is. Well, it, it actually makes our it actually makes our job easier, honestly, because you know we're not we do reviews. It's not about rate of return. It's like, oh, hey, you know, you guys didn't beat the market last year, so I'm upset. It's never the conversation. It's like, hey, we've got your income plan. You know, we've got your income bucket. Here's your income's protected. Last year was a really rough year in the market, but you didn't have to worry about it. You didn't have to lose sleep. You know, and they'll tell us that. You know, they didn't have to think about it. So that just goes back to the the impact that we have on them. And it honestly really does make our job easier. If we do it right from the beginning, you don't have to backtrack and always feel like, oh, what am I going to do next for my clients so I don't lose them? You know, it's they have a plan. We're making sure their plan is efficient. Everything's in place the way it should be. And then we're just helping them guide them through the plan, you know, and tweak it as needed versus these wholesale changes, you know, every month or every year, depending on what the market's doing. I mean, that's a, that's a stressful advisor if they're chasing returns every single year. Yeah, Brad, yeah, I, like, I think it's you, Brad, that have said this in the past, like how you meet a client and those first few meetings that you spend with them and kind of the atmosphere of those is what sets the tone for your entire relationship with them. So it, it makes sense that the vibe you set with them at those first couple of introductory meetings that it's about relationships. It's about what's important to them. And that's what you're talking about at review meetings, not, hey, we're trailing the S&P by 0.50%. Are we going to be okay? Yeah. But the phrase we say is what brings them to you is what they expect from you. And so if you, what brings them to you is we can beat the guy down the street or the S&P or whatever by a percent or 2%. Now you're selling your value proposition as returns. And I, I compare that kind of to like going to the Kentucky Derby and picking winning horses. Yeah. I mean, you can, you can research and say, statistically, this is the one that's going to win. And that's great until you pick the horse that doesn't win. And now they come back to you and they're like, what the heck? I thought we'd be in the market by one or 2%. What's going on here? Now we're back to goal-based planning and building a proper plan. It's actually not about the returns. The Warren Buffett quote, which I know we talk a lot about in our community, we should throw this in the show notes, but it's, I'll probably butcher this. It's insane to risk that which you have in order to attain that which you do not need. Mm-hmm. And how often do you all see that when somebody walks in your office the first time they're, they're heavily loaded up in high-risk stocks, chasing returns. And it's like, dude, you have 3 million bucks. Like You need like a 4% return a year to do everything in the world you want to do for the rest of your life. It's, it's silly. And, it's like but you, driving but a you, Ferrari in a school zone. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Don't, don't hit any kids. That's, that's yeah. literally my tagline for that. Yeah. And all of this too, it, it makes our jobs easier. When you, it's not only just the conversations and it's goal-oriented planning, but it's also obviously how we structure their their assets to have safety for the things that they need sooner than later. But mm-hmm. it changes like in 2008, I didn't have structure. I was an investment advisor, you know, and, and we talk about that common enemy that, you know, most advisors only give advice on the things you're getting directly paid for. And 90 plus percent of the advisors in the industry only advise you on the investments. Well, I was that guy the first 10 years of my career. And when 2008 hit, it was horrible. I mean, it was just the phones wouldn't stop ringing. People hated us like you wouldn't believe, you know, and because we didn't have a real plan to protect them and didn't have as many retirees at that time, but it didn't matter. When people lose 30, 40, 50% of their net worth, it's, it's troublesome. So I knew then you had to make a change. And fast forward, obviously, we had a massive bull market. But in 2020, I mean, we had people not calling panicking 
there was literally one or two clients that were panicking, but people calling and saying, thank you. I get it now. Mm-hmm. We're in this bull market. We had some more conservative stuff, but completely protected that they would say, you know, the market's up 20%. Like, do we really need that? It was only up seven. What about these other things that are getting 20? And then in 2020, I mean, we had tons of calls, people saying, thank you so much. I can still retire when I want to retire. I can still go on those trips. I mean, COVID threw a wrench in that, but I can do what I want to do. It's not dictated by the stock market, which gives them peace of mind. And it makes our lives a hell of a lot easier. Um, And last year too, I can count on one hand where people were a little bit, not even panicked or even calling concerned. And it was usually like, Hey, I just need one of your pep talks. I know you're going to make me feel Mm -hmm. better. You know, it's not like, what did you do? (laughs) Cause I heard that a lot. Like, what is, what did you do to my money? Like, well, by the way, there's something going on in the world that's beyond what I did, but you know, I didn't do my job the way I should have. And it was a big eye opening experience for me. And like, I have to change my career path and what I do for my clients and how I serve them because I wasn't serving them in the right way. Luckily, over the years, I've met some really good people that have helped mentor me, guide me, train me, and all of us. So we couldn't do it alone. Like surrounding ourselves with really great people is the thing that I'll never stop doing. If I can keep surrounding myself with people much smarter than me, which by the way is not hard to do, <laughs> we'll continue. There was one in the womb. I don't remember. Yeah, I did. Yeah, that was, a, that was a good move by me in the womb. You know, surrounding me. <laughs> you start, hey, you started. You started your mastermind group very early. That's yeah, right. You're ahead yeah. of it. You're you're welcome. We did. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense. Um, Her mom said that he was always sitting on my head. So, you know, that's not got to my brain. But that's something I probably shouldn't say. So <laughs> I got to be honest. I don't know if I want to be the honorary triplet anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's rough. This is getting contentious. Well, um, there's a, a few things there, Nick. But I think one of the things that she just nailed is if you're an advisor out there and if, if you're your own mental health and the health of your business is directly equated to market performance, then now you've basically put your business, the good days or the bad days, you've weighted that on something you absolutely cannot control, which for anybody that's built any business, they should, they would absolutely say, don't build your business on something based on something you can't control. And so I think if you're an advisor out there and you're like, man, the market's really rough. This next two months is going to suck. It probably means you might want to reexamine how you build your plans in the first place, right? And or, or the conversation that we talked about that's bringing your clients to you and the expectations they have of you and, and your planning. But the other thing that I really see there is, Nick, you evolved and you grew and you said there has to be a a better, different way where I can serve my clients at a higher level. And you were willing to evolve. You were willing to challenge maybe, you know, I see it so often, the advisors that grow up in certain distribution models, just the biases that come along with that. And to your point, it's a, it's very much based on how that distribution model gets paid. Um, I was just literally talking with the guy. I don't know if I can, let's just say it's one of the, the names we all run into over the doors. And he basically said in my training, I was taught that this financial tool is bad. And by the way, it was an annuity. And to literally say an annuity is bad is to me the equivalent of trying to build a house and saying a hammer is bad. Like the tool is not good or bad. It's what is the use for the tool and what is the proper tool to get the job done, right? And then selecting the best tool out of that like category. 
And I just think there's so much of that going on in finance where it's almost this like indoctrination of this is bad. And I believe as a fiduciary, which you all are, you should have as many tools as possible at your disposal. And then you should objectively just choose, hey, here's what we're trying to do. What's the most efficient tool to pull out of my financial toolbox? And let's just go get the job done. And I believe that's kind of what clients love about the plans you all build, right? It's like, we're not trying to, we're not trying to sell you anything. We're trying to build you a great financial plan that gets you from A to B in the most efficient way possible and doesn't create a bunch of anxiety the next time the market corrects. I mean, are those any, any other thoughts on just kind of the, the different approach or psychology there? Yeah, I think to your point, Brad, um, it's all about the education. You know, we're educating our clients on those tools. You know, we have all of those tools at our disposal. It's a matter of matching up there, playing with the correct tool. And it's an educational process. You know, I mean, I think we, we do a pretty good job of actually taking that educational approach. You know, we teach a lot of educational classes. Uh, we have for like going on eight years, been teaching a social security class, tax and retirement class. But even when we talk about portfolios and other investments, it's all an educational type of an approach. And I think people appreciate that. You know, you don't have to get in the weeds and drown them with the details and alpha and beta and sharp ratio and all those crazy things. But if you kind of show them how they work and the pros and cons, then they they feel more equipped to understand the plan and execute the plan. And I think early in my career, I was with a broker dealer that was very anti-annuity, you know, and I remember I'd come across someone, I'm like, this doesn't look all that bad. What's What's the issue with them? You know, and so it was part of the reason I actually went to work for American Equity in their home office. Wasn't real happy with where I was at. And I thought, I'm going to figure out what's wrong with these or what's right with them. <laughs> so mm-hmm. you got firsthand knowledge of like, you, there's billions of dollars in this space and it can't all be that these people were missold. That just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. You know, and just like any, whether it's a stock bond, mutual fund, every financial product has a time and place. It's a matter of pairing up the situation with the right tool. And I think when you take that approach to the clients, they appreciate it, you know, and, and you, you can be unbiased because ultimately we don't really care what the tool is. We want to do what's best, in, what's best for the client and make sure that they understand it so that we'll execute it. And so I think that's a big shift from like Nick was talking about the old really advisor salesperson model. I mean, I'd never feel like a salesperson or a consultant, an educator, a leader. It's a lot different than, okay, I got to hit a quota and I got to sell this annuity or this portfolio or whatever it is just a different mindset from our end. And I think that translates across the table to the client. We're like, okay, this is a lot different than when I was at Edward Jones down the street. They're trying to sell me a portfolio versus, and they're calling it a plan. You know, it's really just a portfolio, but they're calling it a plan. And so it's just a different shift. People, I think they can gravitate towards that and it makes a huge difference, obviously for us acquiring clients, but also for the success of the clients to execute the plan and stick to the plan as they age. Yeah. And how do you beat that up? Like, think about a salesperson versus a planner. How dare you build me a holistic plan that meets my goals, Jeremy? Like, you can't beat it up. It's exactly. like, I'm just going, I'm going to listen to what you want. And then as an independent advisor, as a fiduciary that has access to every tool at my disposal, I'm going to try to build you the most efficient plan that gets you from A to B. And then by the way, as things change in your retirement, we're going to adjust. It's like, Hard to object. it takes you out of like used car salesman language, which by the way, I was the guy that grew up cold calling advisors to sell annuities. Like I have felt this on my side. And when you change the conversation into just, we want to lead you, we want to serve you. We want to be transparent on like how we're going to build this and educate you on the tools that we believe you can get you there in the most efficient way. It's like, man, that's like such a noble profession. It completely changes 
the dynamic of it. I want to make sure we have time, guys. I pulled up, if you guys saw me looking at the other screen, I pulled up your website and I see some of the language on here. We lead and empower our clients to achieve beyond what they thought possible in retirement because they deserve it. I believe that came directly out of kind of the Chris Smith, the brand manifesto work. Is that correct? Yes, it did. And how, how does that get embedded into the conversation in a first visit, in a seminar? And how has that changed the conversation when you lead with something like that? Yeah, that's a great question. So that something that we haven't talked about that is really hard to contend with is the way that these potential clients have been trained to think. Because all these things that we're talking about like have all been weaponized by advisors to subscribe to their sales process. The word mm-hmm. fiduciary has been weaponized. The word fee-only. Yes. And so all these clients, and I think it was, uh, was it Kyle Van Pelt? He did a great job of talking about the evolution of some of these sales process. So I think what that language does in these meetings is it disarms those people. It's like, hey, I totally understand that you've been trained to think that this is the most important thing to solve with the financial advisor. But let's get back to basics for a second. This is about you and living your life. Like, let me tell you what you deserve out of a financial advisor. And they're like, oh, okay. So, and even just saying, like, hey, we're we're passionate about doing the right thing for people. We're passionate about getting information out. Hey, even if we never talk again or you know, you just absorb our newsletter or blogs and that is beneficial to your life. Or if we give you great advice in this hour and vision meeting and you get to take that and change the rest of your course, hey, so be it. It's disarming to people. They're like, whoa, I felt no pressure. I felt no sales. I just sat in front of a person that had nothing in mind but my true best interest. And it wasn't weaponized to talk smack about all the other advisors out there. That's super disarming. So we started implementing that language into workshops and seminars almost immediately. At the beginning of every seminar or workshop, we do, by the way, Vantage Point, home of the six worlds, not five worlds. At the beginning of all of our presentations, we start with, at least in our Chicago office, we start with a presentation of the six worlds and we kind of inject that language right away. Like, hey, having this done right and in your best interest is the way to make your money work harder for you than it's ever worked before. And it's a way to make sure that you live a life and a retirement beyond what you thought possible. Like you deserve this. And I want you to really think and stop for a second and consider if, is this something that you already do on your own or with an advisor? And if it's not, then you truly need to start exploring whether or not you could benefit from this. And then it like, since we started doing that, we have people come up to us on the break of these presentations, which by the way, we're doing a lot of presentations through nonprofits and we're not allowed to sell. So we cannot make a pitch on our services at these things. And we make that clear. People come up to us at the break and they're like, hey, so I want to be respectful of the fact that this is through a nonprofit and you're not selling, but like, how soon can we talk about working together? Because that's what I'm interested in. And I'm telling you, like, that's the only thing we changed is injecting that language and having an authentic message. And it's like, people are knocking on our door now instead of us like trying to find an in to talk to them about our services. It's incredible. Mm, That's cool. And that's the thing that the longer I'm in this industry, I always knew words mattered. But 
words matter so much just and and if how intentional you are with them and, and the way you say them say them in confidence versus you know oh well we kind of believe that this and it's just it's amazing to see that because number one you all did the work which that's the hardest part is extracting that and it's it's deep work right you can't kind of half ass that sort of work but i want to rewind like it's so fun to i mean like I've known you, I feel like I've known you guys forever, probably because of the Shanty Rose, but it's, we're only really like not even two years into this journey no. and the, the massive evolution that I've already seen from you all, which is a testament to you all showing up as students, putting in the work, putting in the effort, and then actually implementing the work, you know, into your seminars, into your appointments. But I'm looking at your website right now. And I want to go back because I want to make sure I'm not misremembering this. When we were sitting in, in SHP's conference room with Plymouth Harbor right behind us, Keith Ellis in there, probably cracking some awkward jokes like he does. And that's what I love about him. <laughs> was the name of your process, the elevated retirement plan at that point? I'm trying to remember if you'd named it at that point or not. No, no didn't have a not name. even close. Did you have a name of your, what I would call planning process, or was it just we do financial plans? Holistic planning, yeah, a holistic yeah. plan. Come yeah. on, Brad. Mm. Nice and very so, okay. So, so, so this is fun. So, you all are now reminding me of a firm I I talked with in Kansas City. This is years back. They were managing a bill. By the way, they were managing a billion and had a really cool presence on radio. And I talked with the founder, and I was like, "Well, why, why are you guys different than other advisors in the Kansas City market?" He goes. And, and by the way, he said this, like, not joking. He said this, like, very with, with full confidence. He said, well, we build financial plans. And I looked at him. I looked at him. And I was like, what do you think the other guys say they do? And, he, and it was like this big aha moment. He goes, uh, they probably say they build financial plans, don't they? I go, yeah. So how do your prospects know the difference? And so back to, to your, we build holistic plans. Well, yeah, so does everybody else. Welcome to being a financial advisor. Not everybody, but you know, they might, they probably say they, they say do. they do. They say, yeah, they do. yeah. <laughs> and, but, but here's, what's cool. You guys were actually building great plans. You were doing the hard part of it. It just wasn't packaged and messaged in a way where it differentiated you all, where the people you were talking to knew that you did. And so what I see is we talk, we use McDonald's references a lot around here. It's like McDonald's is in the most commoditized business in the world, the hamburger business. So there's a hamburger stand in every small little town, like even Minneapolis, Kansas, that has 2,000 people. But what McDonald's did was productized the hamburger, turned it into something unique to them, the Big Mac, and that's the only place you can get it. Well, you guys take CFP standard-based financial planning and you packaged it, and now you've messaged it in a way that's unique and distinct to you. And I also saw this shift where you were like really trying to charge people and it was kind of like, well, they're kind of resisting the fee and they're not sure they want to move forward to where you just change the game. You're like, hey, here's here's what we're about. Here's what we're not. We want to serve you. If you want to take the next step, here's how it works. We move everything over, ACAT it, put the team to work and we'll move forward. And it was just like, boom, you're off to the races from there. And I, I think, Nick, your first one was a big one. Like the first time you tried that different conversation, it was a multi-million dollar case, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. It worked out quite well. And we just, I was just convicted and like, all right, we're going to try this new approach. And I've got the old approach and, you know, and standby if we need to at the last minute, but practice the, the language a little bit and 
it worked. I mean, it was, I was, when the, when the clients made $4 million and they're great clients now, but when they said, yeah, we'd like to move forward. I was like, wait a minute. Did you say yes? <laughs> <laughs> what? Nothing. Hey, what I love, what I love, man, is you're like, eh, I'm going to try this, this new process out, but I'm not going to try it on like, just like a 500 K case. I'm just going to swing for the fences, 4 million right out of the gates. Let's just test it on a big one. But by the way, that, 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 was, that was like, that was like two like weeks. Yeah. That was like two weeks after we got back from just being introduced to you guys and SHP out in Boston. And we had, we had first one that was like small, like 500,000. And then within, I think the exact same week, Nick did pull that on the $4 million. And it was like, we just learned this two weeks ago. <laughs> it, it was a big mental shift, you know, uh, because we were, the way we, we did it before was we would present like planning options we'd quote a fee and we would bill the first half of the fee, do the plan. And then if they implemented the plan and moved their accounts, we'd, wa- we'd waive the second half of that fee. So that kind of our process worked and it worked well. I mean, we didn't have a, you know, we were just a holistic planning process, didn't have a trademark. Um, and it, it does work, but what we, what we were finding is that we were doing a lot of plans. We were underpaid for them for, for sure. And then some people, I mean, a, a good number of people would implement them. Obviously we had good numbers, but not all of them, you know, and, and one of the worst things is, what I found was, especially for the people that didn't implement with us, they really would come back for like a review. They were basically on their own. So I didn't feel like we were necessarily doing our fiduciary responsibility because once they paid for the plan, we're not managing their accounts. We typically wouldn't hear from them. And the few people that I did hear from years later, they didn't follow the plan. You know, we couldn't really stay on top of them to make sure they were. So in a sense, we weren't really doing our fiduciary uh, job correctly, I think. Where this one is like, hey, if you want to hire us, we're going to make sure from start to finish, you know, we're going to guide you through every step of it. So it was definitely a mental shift when you've been doing the same thing for several years that wasn't necessarily broken. It's just better now. And I think we're, we're better advisors because of it. But it, it definitely took a few months to like get comfortable with like, hey, this is our process. Oh, yeah. Some of you, it took a few months, a few weeks for others. <laughs> so. By the way, that's, I mean, shout out to Nick, because I mean... <laughs> Something that I think has been transformative for all of our development, Jeremy, uh, myself, and Nick, is like, Nick is not scared to jump in and try anything. If all all it takes is telling Nick one time that, hey, this worked really well for me, and like he's starting his day tomorrow doing that thing. And if like left to my own devices, I, I don't think I would take that approach very often, but it's been a constant driver of moving the needle forward in our business. And I, Every once in a while, I meet advisors who, you know, will ask me like, what's the biggest difference maker to get from where I'm at now to, you know, where I'm at later. And it's try everything Like, don't be scared to fail. And I think because of the business we're in, we tell ourselves that like, oh, we can't fail. You know, it's people's money or it's, you know, my money, my livelihood or as entrepreneurs, but like, what's the harm in trying? You, you hear something that someone's so convicted, they tell you it works. Well, why wouldn't you try it? Nick does an awesome job then. I, I would. I can stand firmly on saying, like, I, I don't think that we would be as far along in our journey as we are if it weren't for that. So for anyone on the fence of trying something new, just do it. Thanks, Tim. Yeah, I appreciate it. I just want to mention too, and trademarking your process. Jerry, why don't you tell a story about the lady that applied for the job and why she, and why and how she found us? Yeah. So on Monday, Monday I did a, a Zoom interview with a lady that was trying to apply for our associate advisor position. She contacted us through the website. And I didn't know anything about her. It turns out she's 
works for a holistic planning firm a mile from here. <laughs> but she said that she was searching all of the independent advisory firms in St. Louis that did actual planning. She really loves the planning side of it. And they do some of it at our office now, but not to the same level that we do. And she said she went through a whole bunch of websites, just did searches. Mm-hmm. And she said ours stood out the most to her because number one, we had a process, you know, that we documented and we named our process. She's like, I've never seen a, an independent firm actually trademark the process. And so she knew that immediately we were head and shoulders above everybody else. And she potentially could be a really good advisor. You know, I mean, I got two new ones sorry, next month, so she'll definitely be in the pipeline. But just the fact that people are finding us, you know, and we're differentiating ourselves from the competition was a huge benefit. We always kind of hope that it would work that way. But now we're starting to see in a short period of time that separating yourself with the language and with what your process is, there's two things immediately that that's a lot different than everybody else. And it makes a difference. And really, I mean, I'm hoping that our clients are, are thinking the same thing. Maybe they don't necessarily tell us. I mean, they're coming on board, obviously, but they might not vocalize, hey, you guys are different. But it was just kind of cool to see, you know, that somebody found us and recognized the difference. And she could potentially be a good teammate. Yeah, a couple of things there, guys. So on the last point, it's if you don't show up different in your space, the only person you can blame as an independent financial advisor is you, the founder. That's your fault, you know? And, and so if you haven't taken the time to clearly differentiate, trademark, name your process, which by the way, this is work we do all day, every day, because we realize the importance of it. And I've, I've seen the before and after. I mean, exhibit A was SHP. You know, we helped them name their process back in the day. And I met those guys when they were doing eight, 10 million a year and fast forward, not even a decade. And they're bringing in 250 million plus. And what you just hit, Jeremy, is not just how it shows up to prospects that come in, but how it attracts great talent on the team. And if you're going to scale any business of substance, you've got to attract and keep and train great talent. And so I love that you all are already starting to see that. Um, I want to hit one other thing back to kind of before when you were charging a fee and it sounds like, Hey, if they bought the plan, you kind of gave it to them and they would kind of do the DIY version of it. Nick said something earlier during, you know, the, we've had some volatility obviously around COVID and, and the market's going a little crazy there, but you said something, Nick, where clients would call you up and basically say, Hey, I need one of your pep talks. To me, so much of the power of being a great financial advisor, it's like being a psychologist, a therapist. It's like you're talking people off the ledge where they want to buy high and sell low, like human psychology. And you're like, hey, this is why we have a plan. This is why we're here. This, hey, this is why we structured it the way. And you're just reinforcing the reasoning and the purpose behind that plan versus oh, let's throw everybody in, you know, let's throw all my money in GameStop during COVID because it's like a rocket ship or whatever, you know? And I just love that the process allows you to lean in to the psychology side and the commitment side of like, we're going to guide you and keep you on track. This is not just, here's a plan, good luck. And not that you guys were trying to do that before. It was just the model allowed for that to happen a bit. Is that fair? 100%. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's definitely, it's a game changer for our business, game changer for the clients that we meet. Absolutely. It's a win-win. Well, guys, we're getting to the end. This has been fun. There's been a couple jabs thrown. We worked a little shanty rose in, so I feel like we've checked the major boxes. It's been a really fun conversation. I just want to, I want to say before we get to the final question here, man, 
I'm so humbled to have a firm like Urals as a part of the Triad community. Just can't wait to hang here in about a month. And it's just like, that's the whole purpose of Triad, you know, doing business and doing life. We want to do business with people we want to do life with. And it's just a lot of fun to do life with you guys. So it's been, it's been really fun to watch the growth, watch the journey and just uh, thankful that you all are a part of Triad. So thanks for being here. Feelings mutual. Well, with that, this is the do business, do life podcast. So you all have had pretty good experience because we've done some business and done some life, but I would love to hear each of your definitions of how you define doing business and doing life and what that means to you. So whoever wants to jump in first. Well, I, I had my uh, thought about this a couple of days ago and then, and I had one, one particular word. And then this morning I finished the Amy Porterfield podcast and, and hers was freedom. That's exactly what I was thinking. So I'm not stealing it from her, but but that's really how I think about it. If you're doing business and you're doing life, it really creates freedom, not just for us as individuals, but for our family and our teammates and our clients. So it's a big combination. But I think at the end of the day, that's really probably what we're all after. And being able to really integrate, you want that work-life balance, but you really want them integrated so that you're, you know, like we talked about a leader for our clients, we also want to be a leader for ourselves and our family and our team, you know, and so... It just, uh, it kind of meshes together and, and into the one word freedom. That's what it means to me. Love it. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. And thank you, Brad, for inviting us to join the community. We love Triad. It's been phenomenal. And I, probably the number one thing I love is the DBDL. I'll be honest. When we first met you, I was like, that seems kind of corny. What is this DBDL? Just being full transparency, but. No, I love it. That's, we encourage full transparency on here. <laughs> so please keep it real. Yeah. And, but the more we've gotten to know you guys and the whole community, like you live by it. You talk about it more than anything. And yes, we've been involved in some really great masterminds and, and they kind of preach that too, but not to the level you do. And it's not woven into everything that you do. So I really appreciate it because it's like on the forefront of my mind all the time, because my family's so important to me. It's not just business all day, every day, but to me, it's, it's not a separation of all right, I've got business over here where it's all work. And then I've got life over here, family, friends, fun. It's interwoven. And you guys have taught us a lot about hiring and hire great people that you want to be around, that you want to do business with, you want to do life with. And it's, it's so refreshing to come and just, hey, I'm at work with a bunch of my friends, which is really cool. And as we grow the team, we, we don't lose sight of that. We want to continue that. So for me, it's, it's really kind of weaving them together. But I'm always thinking now, like, so much further ahead where a couple of years ago it was, you know, I'm going to be an advisor forever. And I'm thinking about how I can empower other people to do it and, and help more families so that I can go spend more time with my family and, and play more golf and, and travel things that I want to do outside of work. And so that's been huge. And the thing that you, you talk a lot about it is you're the average of the five people you surround yourself with. And the more that we can surround ourselves with great people, that's DBDL in my opinion. Love it. Thanks for sharing that. Tim. Man, I don't know how to top those. That, those were good. Those, those were, were some good, great man. answers, guys. Yeah. 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 Thanks, Brent, for having us on here. It's like any opportunity to, you know, give back to to you guys and the community and to help is like seriously our pleasure. So thanks for having us today. I feel like one of the reasons I was first interested in in working with Nick back in the day was because he kind of had this philosophy like, I'm not gonna work weekends. I'm not, I don't want to stay here later than I have to. Like, I know that there's a way we can grow a business in 
a controlled way, a way where we're not wanting to gouge our eyeballs out every day because we can't stand another financial plan on our desk. And I really appreciate that because like, I never want that. And, and if you ask anybody, like, what's the dream job for you? It's a lot of people will eventually arrive at some version of an answer that's, I want to work a job that doesn't feel like work. I want it to just feel like something that I wake up to do. Well, and for a lot of people, that's not reality. Like, it, it's really hard to find that. But again, talking about mindset, like, it really isn't. And the cool thing about DBDL, just with this community in particular, is we're all in the trenches together. Like, where else can you go that you're around 100 plus people where you're like, oh, yeah, I did that too? Or, oh, yeah, I just had the worst day of my life too. Let's talk about it. Like, there is so much to that. And now it's like really transformed into our business here too, where we've just kind of naturally started saying this thing around the office of like what our mission is. And our mission is to help not only our clients, but our team and our community live lives beyond what they thought possible. And I'm excited about that. Like, because the same way we're in the trenches with the triad community, well, same thing with our team here and same thing with our clients and same thing with our community. And it really is like that integration that it truly doesn't feel like work. It just feels like showing up to solve problems that I'm passionate about solving. And I get to do it with people that I'm excited to be around and I'm invested in their lives. Like I truly want to know how you spent your weekend. I truly want to know the most important things to you. And I'm like confident that through triad, I've made friends that I'll have for the rest of my life. And for me, DVDL is, is really just that feeling. It's a pursuit of that feeling that you wake up and it's not work today. It's just another day with people I'm excited to be around solving problems that we all get to solve together. Yeah. Like today, I was excited to come to this podcast when I woke up. <laughs> so, Likewise. I was, I was too. Guys, this is, <laughs> to me, this, this is zero work. This is nothing but play. This is so fun. I just, it's funny. My, my wife will be like, what do you, what's on the calendar for today? I'm like, two podcast interviews. It's going to be an amazing day because it's with great people that I love being around, that I can learn from that, you know, oftentimes I challenge my own thinking and it's just awesome. So guys, the cool thing is this, it, this is one of those conversations. I feel like it could go for another two hours, but unfortunately right. we all have stuff to do today, but man, thanks so much for just sharing. You guys always play all out your givers. You're a great representation of the community and can't wait to do some life here in a month or so out in Lake Tahoe. So thanks for joining. Thanks for sharing. And until we see each other in person and get a hang. Thanks also, we us. made it through an entire episode without Brad saying deconstruct. <laughs> I, hey, on that note, <laughs> you've got to go back and listen. If you're going to be a podcast host, you have to go back and every once in a while, listen. And everybody's got their filler words. Everybody's got their verbal tics. And it's painful, guys. So I'm sure I had a couple more on this one that I didn't realize. So we'll go back and listen to this one and see what else I have to correct. Deconstruct <laughs> it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh, Brad. Thanks for your time today. Thanks, Brad. All right, guys. It. Thanks, Brad. Appreciate it. We'll see you. Bye. Thanks for checking out this week's show. On to this week's featured review. It comes to us from user B Dubs via Apple Podcasts. Five stars, insightful breath of fresh air. I found out about DBDL podcast through Kristen Shea's LinkedIn post and so glad that I did. I've listened to the first episode and it is such a refreshing thing to hear elite professionals share their experiences in the advisor space that focus on balancing business and life. 
about building a strong community and not just AUM and production. Looking forward to being part of this and growing together. Well, thanks, Speedubs, whoever you are out there. And obviously, big fan of Kristen as well. She's really helped the Do Business, Do Life podcast come to life. And for those not familiar, Kristen is the voice behind the intro of each and every episode. She's also the chief product officer here at Triad and has a pretty insanely uh, large community that she's built out on LinkedIn over the years just through serving advisors out there. How could she... I've talked with Kristen and she's always approached how could she add value to the advisor community? And so it was just a natural... It just made sense, I should say, to have Kristen help with the show because she knows the heartbeat of the independent financial advisor. She's a great content creator herself. And so it's cool that you followed Kristen. That's how you got to this podcast, B-Dubs. And thanks for the kind words. And I completely agree. One of the things we say around here is we want to help independent financial advisors on the path to significance versus just success. And there's a lot of ways to define that. But one of the ways we do it here is success is about I and me. Significance is about others and how you pour into them. And honestly, what's left after you're gone. I was reminded of a story Tim Tebow shared with us out at our very first launch event in Nashville when we were first kicking off Triad Partners. And he told a story about his high school football coach. And when he passed away, not just hundreds, but thousands of his former players came back to his funeral. And Tim was actually the one that read his eulogy. And that was one of the core lessons that he took was he had a lot of success on the football field, had many, many winning teams over the years. But more importantly, the significance that he left behind was what he had poured into others, the life lessons, the principles, the frameworks that many others carried that lasted well beyond him. And so I think that's an interesting thing. If you look through that lens as a financial advisor, it's a powerful one. And the ones, the firms that are built to last are the firms that are bigger than yourself, bigger than just you, the founder. And that has to happen with pouring into others. So Anyway, glad that approach is resonating with those out there. And B-Dubs, thanks for the kind words and the review. And we will catch you all on the next show. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Do Business, Do Life podcast. As we wrap, for access to show notes, transcripts, and exclusive content from all of our show's guests, don't forget to visit bradleyjohnson.com forward slash podcast. And before you go, I've got a quick favor to ask. If you're liking the podcast, you can help support the show by leaving your rating and review on iTunes. Not only do we read every single comment, but this will help the show rank and get discovered by new listeners and other financial advisors out there that can benefit from the show. Trust me, it really does help. So thanks again for joining and be sure to tune in next week for another episode. These conversations are intended to provide financial advisors with ideas, strategies, concepts, and tools that could be incorporated into their advisory practice. Advisors are ultimately responsible for ensuring implementation of anything discussed is in accordance with any and all regulatory and compliance responsibilities and obligations.